The Greater Cleveland Partnership gets behind some great projects that seem unusual for the GCP. Cuyahoga County creates a position to oversee spending on more than $100 million from opioid settlements, and the warm weather of late will extend our risk of lake-effect snow. This is The Wake Up from Cleveland.com for the final day of 2019, the final day of this century's teen years, December 31st, 2019. I'm Cleveland.com editor Chris Quinn. When you think about the Greater Cleveland Partnership, the region's Chamber of Commerce, you don't usually associate it with birthing centers, food banks, and African-American theater. But those are among the projects that the GCP is pushing for inclusion in the state capital budget. The GCP is the regional coordinator for such projects. And yes, it is pushing for some things that seem more like a natural fit like a 100,000-square-foot innovation center in the Midtown neighborhood to be anchored by Jumpstart, the nonprofit that helps startup companies. But the Greater Cleveland Partnership is pushing for a new building near University Circle for birthing beautiful communities, the Cleveland-based African-American doula collective that is battling infant mortality. And it wants money for Empower CLE, which aims to provide affordable and reliable broadband access for unserved areas in Greater Cleveland. And for Centro Villa 25, a Latino market and cultural center proposed in Cleveland's Clark Fulton neighborhood. And an expansion of the Greater Cleveland Food Bank's East Side headquarters. And an upgrade at Caramu House, an African-American theater in the city's Fairfax neighborhood. The GCP also is looking for some cash for the proposed expansion at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Museum, which does boost city tourism. So you might have heard about the windfall that Cuyahoga County is receiving from being the first government to get to court with the pharmaceutical companies that caused the opioid crisis. After lawyer fees are paid, the county will have $100 million in settlements, and we learned Monday that it will spend some of that money as a salary for a new position to oversee how the money is spent. County officials have guaranteed that the opioid money will be spent combating addiction and other issues caused by the crisis. They never said they were creating an entirely new position to keep watch on that. On Monday, they announced that Brandy Carney, who has been Chief Public Safety and Justice Officer, will take the new title of Chief of Special Operations. She will continue to be paid more than $130,000 a year. Her first job will be overseeing the spending of the $100 million. She will work with organizations that get the money to develop measurements of their success in using it. Carney will serve as the county's representative to the state as it pursues efforts to eradicate the opioid epidemic. She will also oversee the county's new diversion center for addicted people charged with crimes. She will report directly to Chief of Staff Bill Mason, the number two person in county government. The county is looking for someone to replace her as public safety chief, a job Carney had for 18 months. In some of the wealthiest suburbs near Cleveland, Columbus, and Cincinnati, three-quarters of the adults have at least a bachelor's degree, far exceeding what is typical across Ohio. Number one in Ohio for bachelor's degrees is the Cincinnati suburb of Indian Hill, where an estimated 88.2% of adults 25 and older have at least a bachelor's degree. 
The rest of the top five for at least a bachelor's degree are the Cleveland suburb of Pepper Pike with 78.9% and three Columbus suburbs. Cleveland.com's Rich Exner put together the data using estimates from the Census Bureau's five-year American Community Survey taken from 2014 through 2018 and released a few weeks ago. You can find numbers for most Ohio municipalities on Cleveland.com. As 2019 comes to a close, Capital Letter asked a bunch of Ohio's elected officials for their predictions for 2020. Some were self-serving blather about getting their initiatives adopted, and the rest seemed to be about sports. We had to remove two because they predicted an Ohio State championship, not thinking referees would block that possibility by stealing the game with bad calls on Saturday. Perhaps the most honest politician when it came to the predictions was Mike DeWine. He declined to make one. Check out their predictions in today's edition of Capital Letter or on Cleveland.com. This year's warmer-than-average holiday season could have a downside, a longer period of lake-effect snow this winter. There's no ice on Lake Erie, and it has been 20 to 30 degrees warmer than normal this holiday week. That won't cause lake-effect snow to be more intense, because the lake is still pretty cold, but it could extend the season well into February. Great Lakes ice cover is around 1.7%, with Lake Erie at zero. Last year, on December 30th, Lake Erie ice cover was estimated at about 30%, according to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration data. In 2017, it was 2.42%, and in 2015 and 2016, it was at 0% like it is now. So look out, until the lake freezes over, an Arctic blast from Canada could dump snow on us in what has been a relatively snow-free season. When we talk about things freezing over in Northeast Ohio, we favor hell, as hell freezing over would be the sign that the Browns have a winning season. Until that happens, we have the wake up. Thanks for being among our listeners. We will be back with another edition tomorrow, but not Thursday. We are taking a day off for the holiday.